Our scripture reading continues in Acts 28. We continue our listening. Three days later, Paul called together the local leaders of the Jews. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our ancestors, yet I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. When they had examined me, the Romans wanted to release me because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But when the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to the emperor, even though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it is for the sake of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. They replied, We have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken anything evil about you. But we would like to hear from you what you think. For with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. And after they had fixed a day to meet him, they came to Paul at his lodgings in great numbers. From morning until evening, evening, he explained the matter to them, testifying to the kingdom of God, trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Some were convinced by what he had said, while others refused to believe. So they disagreed with each other. And as they were leaving, Paul made one further statement, quote, The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your ancestors through the prophet Isaiah, Go to this people and say, You will indeed listen, but never understand. And you will indeed look, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes, so that they might not look with their eyes and listen with their ears, and understand with their hearts and turn, And I would heal them. Let it be known to you then that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Paul lived there for two whole years at his own expense. And he welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This is the word of the Lord. It wasn't my intention to be the preacher today. We had set this date for Catherine's installation some months ago. We had coordinated this occasion with Presbytery of the James. And there were seemingly some other gifted preachers who could preach on this day. One first thought was that we would get Carter or Carrie, Catherine's parents, who have a rich and wonderful legacy to preach today. Their legacy is is wonderful in this church. But for them, as you know, these two who serve so ably in the life of this church, Catherine asked her dad, Carter, he said, no way. (laughs) Catherine asked her mother, she said, I'll sleep on it for one night. And then she said, Thanks, but no thanks. (laughs) Both Carrie and Carter wanted to be parents today, not preachers. And even when I called back and said, Carrie, Carter, with a little nudge, they each thought it over again, giving some time, and then they determined parent, not preacher, was the appropriate role for this day. And I am glad. I'm glad. So that leaves me the reluctant preacher. However, 
I must say that I am excited about this day and grateful for this opportunity because it gives us all a chance to think about the life of this church in this city for these days with Catherine coming as our colleague in ministry. A great and opportune time. Our text for this day comes from the closing letters, the closing words from the book of Acts, Acts 28. Now, Acts, I remind you, is called Acts of the Apostles because it's about the events and the activities of those who had seen the risen Lord. That's the definition of an apostle. They had seen the risen Lord. And it's the activities and events of those people who had seen the risen Lord and were called to be about life and ministry following the risen Lord. Some also say that this book, Acts, ought to and better be called uh, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, not the Apostles, because everywhere and anytime anything is happening with the Apostles, it is because of the Holy Spirit. Let let me remind you something else about Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Holy Spirit. This book is generally understood by biblical scholars to be written by the same person who wrote the gospel according to Luke. So Luke-Acts is really one person's, quote, orderly account, and that's what he calls it at the beginning of Luke, orderly account of the good news of God appearing in the first pages of Luke, with the story of Elizabeth and Mary. You remember both of them pregnant with John and Jesus. And then the story of Jesus' birth, Joseph and Mary going to Bethlehem and the shepherds in the fields and then all the great stories that come after that with Jesus in that gospel and his teaching and healing and his trial and his suffering and his crucifixion and his death and his resurrection. Luke ends this whole story with Jesus ascending into heaven. Acts begins his story, that continuing story, with Jesus ascending into heaven and reminding the apostles that they will receive the power of the Holy Spirit And they are called to go and be witnesses to Jerusalem and to Judea and to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's the message of Acts 1. So then we have 27 chapters that unfold from Acts 1 to the end of the book, the apostles at work. Filled with the Holy Spirit, they are living, they are serving as witnesses. The church emerges, love spreads, Light comes and it stretches and it grows and it goes. And Acts also introduces us to Paul, whose major conversion we can read about in the book of Acts. God transforms Paul from persecuting Christians to being a primary witness for Christ, from ostracizing and oppressing and beating up Christians to being one of the foremost Christians Acts not only talks about Paul's conversion, but it talks about Paul's ministry, a ministry that went across the whole region of the Mediterranean, back and around. He starts churches. He teaches the faith. He gets into trouble. He deals with conflicts within churches. He deals within conflicts among the apostles and more. And then we get to Acts 28, which we read 
today. And we have that little line, and so we came to Rome. And so we came to Rome. Sounds like a little throwaway line. And so we came to Rome. But look, the Christian gospel, the words that Jesus spoke in the beginning of Luke, the signs that flowed from Jesus' actions, the life that emerged with Jesus bringing light to darkness, the whole story of the kingdom of God is at hand message has made its way to Rome. Here's another way to think about this. Do you think there's any way that Carrie and Carter would have envisioned this day 25 years ago when they first started serving in this church? Do you think there's any way that Catherine, even five years ago when she was serving, when she was in seminary, would have envisioned this particular day here? Do you think that Michael Bacon, even 18 months ago, (laughs) would have envisioned this day? Would any of you be able to claim that you would have envisioned this day? Do any of us, do any of us know what's in store for our lives? We don't know. We can never really know how life is going to unfold. Here's what we do know. Life belongs to God. Life is held always by God. Our job, our calling, yours, mine, Catherine's, all of us, is to live out our lives seeking to love God and serve God. Here's what we know. Life is sustained by God. Life is never, ever without God's care and presence. Our calling, yours, mine, all of us together, is to trust God with our lives and serve God as best we can where God places us. As the apostles did that, The Holy Spirit continued to guide and direct them and faith emerged and light came out of darkness and things happened and they kept happening. Read the Acts of the Apostles and you'll get lots of details. And indeed, the church emerged in many places. It wasn't easy. It was often involving death and loss and persecution and pain, and setback, and struggle. But the church emerged in the power of God's Spirit. So in Acts 28, that line comes, and so we came to Rome. And so we came to Rome. To Rome! From a little bitty stable in Bethlehem, on the hillside where some fields are Shepherds are filled with fear. To Rome. 
from a few ragtag fishermen trying to figure out who Jesus was and what was he talking about and what does this mean for our lives through teachings and miracles and ups and downs and doubts and threats and persecution and death and resurrection to Rome from lonely and lost apostles trying to figure out what to do now that Jesus has ascended into heaven. How do we carry on to their preaching, to their teaching, and churches emerging to Rome? Rome was the center of the world. Rome was the place of power and politics, the place of culture and commerce. Rome. The gospel has arrived at Rome. And here we are on 5th Street in downtown Richmond. Who would have thought it? Who would have thought it? How wonderful, how fantastic, how amazing, how hopeful God has been at work. And God is still at work. This passage doesn't just tell us at the end of Acts that we come to Rome and God is working It doesn't just say God has been leading you to this place. It's not just that God's ways prevail, though they do. It's important to note what happens in Rome. Paul arrived by a boat, it says, as a prisoner with a guard. Three days later, it says he met with the local leaders of the Jews. Paul has come all the way to the capital of the empire to proclaim the kingdom of God and teach about the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Jewish leaders are the first to meet him, and they are dubious. They have heard of this sect, it says. But they agreed to meet with Paul. They came in great numbers, it says. From morning until evening, Paul explained the matter to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and convincing them about Jesus, unquote. It says this. Some were convinced, others refused to believe. So Paul quotes from Isaiah 6 about how some will hear and believe and others will not. So the message goes to the Gentiles, they will listen. And then the passage concludes with these words. Paul stayed there two whole years at his own expense. He welcomed all who came to him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God. And taught them about the Lord Jesus Christ with boldness and without hindrance. That's what it says. Friends, this is not just a reminder that God guides our lives. That's good and that's true. This is also a wonderful picture of what faithful ministry looks like. Paul is fresh off the boat. Probably fighting seasickness. He meets with the leaders. Some believe, some do not. So he settles in, and this is what he does. He welcomes all. He proclaims the kingdom of God. And he teaches about the Lord Jesus Christ with boldness and without hindrance. Sounds like an opportune word for an opportune time. Second Presbyterian still sits on 5th Street. We've been here since 1845. The world is changing so fast around us, we can hardly keep up. 
We have more and more people showing up on Mondays when we feed the hungry off our streets, averaging in recent days more than 200. And we have people moving into these downtown apartments that are not cheap. Young people looking for life downtown. Guess what? We're called to minister to both extremes. Rich and poor. Looking for the gospel. We have complex issues dividing us and polarizing us in this city. Race and property and lines and divisions. It's happening also in our Capitol building. It's happening up the road in Washington. We have a deep need, all of us, for sacred space and sacred worship to bring sanity and hope to our lives and to our city and to the world. We can find seemingly less and less, less, and less time to center our lives because we're all going in so many directions at the same time. We have young people looking for faith and life apart from the institution of the church. We have older people looking for God's presence in the church so that we might shepherd them through their lives. How do we continue to be a beacon? A beacon for God's kingdom. How do we build community? How do we form faith in our frenzied world? This is our calling. God is calling all of us to stay focused like Paul. To welcome all. To proclaim the kingdom of God. And to teach about the Lord Jesus Christ with boldness and without hindrance. God has called Catherine here to be among us. To join us in this challenging and exciting ministry. Thanks be to God. What if we really could welcome all? In these days, so many, especially younger generations, seem alienated from certain perspectives of Christian faith and remain distant and disengaged in God's church. So many see the gospel, it seems, as bad news because, as Gandhi says, I like your Christ, I don't like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Christians have too often been more self-righteous than selfless, more condemning than compassionate, more dismissive of doubts than open to them, too obsessed with sin and evil instead of obsessed with life and hope and eternal life. And sadly, we've been too exclusive of women and gays and others What if we really could welcome all? We have work to do. We have work to do. What if we really could proclaim the kingdom of God like Paul did? That would mean pointing to light and moving toward light, especially as we find ourselves in darkness, discouraged, beaten up by life's complexities. We know to whom we belong. We do. We know to whom we belong, and we can imagine a full reign of God And when we can imagine it, we want to move toward that. That's what we're called to be about. Moving away from poverty and pain and moving toward life and hope. And then we seek to live into the kingdom. Proclaim the kingdom. That's our calling. This is how change happens. This is how hope emerges. When we know whose we are and what direction we're called to live in. 
we live into it. Live into it. What if our teaching, what if our life were really about Jesus that would send us out from these doors in the ways of compassion and care and justice and joy on these streets and everywhere that would send us out in the ways of life, not death. We all long for this, the essence of life. Welcome all, proclaim the kingdom, teach the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our calling. This quote is attributed to a South African theologian. He says he's often motivated by the idea of meeting St. Peter at the pearly gates. And St. Peter asked one, one question, one question. Where are your scars? Scars? Yeah. Where are your scars? Was nothing worth fighting for? The kingdom of God in your time, was it not worth sacrificing for? The joy and justice of Jesus, was it not worth sacrificing and serving for? The light and hope of the Holy Spirit, where are your scars? This is a wonderful and opportune time for us at Second to carry on God's great and important work, seeking to be a bright beacon of light and hope in this city. A wonderful opportunity for Catherine, for all of us, to be about God's work, a sacred place of worship and witness where our lives are centered in God, a place of community where we care and support one another through the swirling challenges of life, and a place of faith formation and a place of service where we Proclaim the kingdom of God. May it be our mission forever. Alleluia. Amen. Let us pray. We believe, O God, help our unbelief and move us toward your reign in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.